Welcome to season two of Tell Me Something Good About Retail. I'm your host, Bob Fibbs, the Retail Doctor. You can find out more about me by going to retaildoc.com, where you'll find out I'm one of the foremost experts on brick and mortar retailing. Every week, I invite guests, vendors, and brick and mortar retailers to share their successes and their innovations to make the shopping experience fun. I believe we can change the world by those who are working in shopping and retail, so let's get to our first guest. While I was attending Shop Talk 19, I was able to catch up with Nitin Montani, CEO and founder of Predict Spring, who talked about his early days at Google Shopping, how Amazon has mastered commodity commerce, and online customer fatigue. Let's listen in. Thanks for joining me this week. I am speaking to Nitin Montani with Predict Spring, and uh, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's really nice of you to have me here. Absolutely. Well, I always like to start off. So you're big in retail. You've done an awful lot of things in retail. We'll get to that in a minute. But how'd you start out in retail? Uh, It's it's a great question you asked, Bob. And sitting here at the shop talk floor, I see all these amazing retailer friends. My my personal experience actually goes back when I was um, uh, around eight years old. And uh, my family business, um, one of my uncles had a, a big grocery store. So CPG was my first uh, experience in retail. Okay, so you probably learned how to clean up and all that kind of stuff too. Whether you're in the retail business or the restaurant business or anything, uh, that there's always the good thing and there's, uh, there's always the hard work, so yes. Yeah, but see, I always think that's, it's all about execution in retail. See, to me, it's like you can hear people tell us all kinds of things that they do in their stores, but all that matters when I walk in your store, are you executing it? Or are you just telling me that, right? It's a combination. You know, I, I always give this story to everyone. Um, like if I remind my kind of, you know, if you go back 30, 40 years and like you, you would go to a neighborhood store, right? Like this is like the picture of a small town where you have one neighborhood store where you can buy backpacks, like stationery, lunch boxes, and a few other things, right? And and the neighborhood store, obviously he's the owner, so it's a single person Hi. store, right? Uh, he would personally know every single person, right? Because there's only so many people who go to that neighborhood store. And to me, it's about, execution is absolutely important, you're right, but it's also about the experience, right? Which is, you know, this person will greet you, this person will exactly know, your purchase history, this person would know your kind of, you know, price sensitivity, your likes and dislikes, and, and that's kind of the experience. When we think about today's day, that neighborhood store perhaps now is a chain of thousand stores, and instead of that 200 or 300 customers the store is serving, these are 22 to 3 million, or in some cases, 20 to 30 million customers. So how do you take that experience and kind of, you know, scale it up by three or four orders of magnitude. Well, that brings us to your company now, to Predict Spring. So what do you do? What is your, why did you found it and what does it do? It's a great, great, uh, great segue, thank you. Um, so the Predict Spring, you know, the, our philosophy and kind of mission from day one has been, how do you rethink mobile and broadly digital experience both in-store and online? Okay. How do you bring some of those core tenants of personalization, execution, Simplicity that was existent um, in that in that corner store philosophy, and how do you bring it to the modern world? So at Predict Spring, we have kind of simplified this entire thing using technology. My background: I was at Google for many years before I started Predict Spring in 2013. So we we brought a lot of the tenants that you know we, we learned at Google, and Google is an amazing consumer company. Uh, so they think about a lot about the consumer, 
Um, and there are two main product offerings we offer. We have built a modern point of sale system to digitalize the in-store experience. And then we have built a native mobile app platform to kind of, you know, bring these, the, the best of mobile in the hands of consumers. Well, uh, you've also developed a mobile app, I think, for the associates too, right? In the store? That's correct. That's correct. And yeah. so how does that differ than the app for the consumer? Um, you know, the way we think about associate and consumer, they are two sides of the same coin. And the lines are blurring, right? So like, if you go to the Nike store, right, in New York, they'll build this entire experience where you can use the app as a consumer and you can basically shop around the store using the app, including you can do a full checkout. But there are times where you might need help from an associate, right? So you're looking at a pair of shoes, but it's not available in the size. So you can request a different color or size and the associate gets a notification and they bring the shoe to you. Or you're trying to do checkout and you want to pay cash, right? Yeah. And so now you need associates help. So that's why we have built these technology stacks, which have a lot of commonality between them. The difference is, in some ways, store associate has like a super user view because they can look at any customer versus the customer is self And any product, product, right? And so any they product. Can, at any product. They may, you that's may all. Open they can that look at everybody. all the stores. And, but even that, like, you know, like if it is not confidential, there's nothing stopping us to let the customer do that in self-service too, right? So if I'm scanning it's a product, right? it's transparency and it's productivity and it's convenience. I can just scan a pair of shoes. I'm like, oh, you guys don't have size nine in your store. Why even bother the associate? I got that answer already, right? Then my decision thinking is, okay, do I look for a different pair of shoe? Do I look for a different color? Or do I press a button and say, are there stores nearby which has this color and size? And that should be all self-service. It will reduce yeah. a lot of back and forth. And so you, with you uh, starting at Google Shopping, now if I remember correctly, um, when you started, there were zero uh, retailers on Google Shopping? And then I, think, it, I think to be fair, there were, there were like maybe a dozen or so. A dozen. A dozen. It's just, just early, early days. This is when you know we were still like evolving that product. When was that in the eighties? Was that ninety? <laughs> well, Google Google is a Google is a very young company in that sense. Uh, no, this is uh, this is two thousands. Uh, so we really ramped the product around two thousand six and two thousand seven. Okay. Um, and obviously, I mean, it's it's funny how time flies. That's fifteen years ago now. Yeah. Um, and fast forward today, I mean, obviously, it's been six years since I left Google, but I hear. There are now hundreds and thousands of uh, retailers and brands on that platform, and it's global, and so it's great to see how... What was it like trying to convince somebody to join you on Google Shopping? Did people think that was not a thing, or it was too much work, or what, what would have been the dialogue? Because it was total trust in Google, right? If it had been somebody else, it probably would have been harder, but there was a certain amount of satisfaction and brand trust that you had from it being Google, right? It was, and it was kind of, you know, it depends. So, like, if you are too big, right, without naming names, uh, you didn't want it to participate in Google because you're like, well, what does Google know about shopping? I'm going to just not even participate in Google's ecosystem, right? So that was that kind of objection. And, uh, you know, as Amazon kept becoming bigger and bigger, those objections went away. So a lot of the kind of traditional big box retailers who were initially reluctant to give Google, you know, their feeds and participate, they realize that if they want to win, they, they need a better te technology stack and Google is not their enemy, Amazon is the enemy, right? right? But, but it wasn't, uh, you know, as straightforward in the early days. Because it probably didn't recognize the, the challenge. Challenges right? like, you know, what they're facing and, you know, like internalizing that their real competition is Amazon. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so do you think that, um, well, what do you think the challenge is now for most 
retailers? Is it all still going to be around Amazon? Is it still some version of Amazon? They're going to kill us all? Is it a function of consumers? You know, it seems like consumers continuing to move. If I hear anything here at Shop Talk, it's everybody talking about how just trying to keep up with how fast the consumer is moving. I don't know if the consumer is moving or is it the technology that's moving? I think it's both. Um, so there are multiple things, you know, Amazon is obviously, you know, done phenomenally well in last um, 20 years or so, the growth of uh, e-com and just led the whole thing. Um, th- there are a lot of positives and there are a lot of, um, you know, things to watch out kind of the way I think about when, if you're a, and also like the story is different when you're a retailer versus a brand, right? So if you're like a big box retailer selling hundreds of brands versus you are like a Kolhan or, you know, one of the vertically okay. integrated brands, right? Um, so I think the, the thing about Amazon is anything which is commodity commerce, they have essentially just mastered that art, right? So if you know what you want and and you want it, that they have mastered that, the, the only players who kind of play at that scale would be people like Walmart and Target, yeah. right? Because it's just a scale game at that at that level. So th- that commerce, you know, like is, is, is now, but the commerce is a much bigger pie and p- most people don't realize, right? Like it's, it's massive. It's not just the Amazon, Walmart and Target because Walmart and Target were there even before Amazon or, or Sears was there, but then specialty retail happened. So I think this idea of like one big massive retailer or a online retailer or a marketplace kind of having like a, you know, good chunk of the retail is not new. It's been true for right. decades. And the names change, uh, but 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 still, there is like sixty, sometimes seventy percent of the retail that happens outside that two or three big uh, players in the market, and which is which is true. So too, I think the biggest opportunity is for brands is how do you break the logjam from this commodity commerce to an experiential commerce, and build that relation with the consumer. I am also hearing for the first time uh, in the last maybe six months or a year, there's a little bit of a consumer fatigue finally. Right, like people have a little bit of that negative connotation with Amazon. They don't want uh, I don't Amazon. need everything. Yeah, they, they actually, there's almost like this feeling where I don't want to go to Amazon. Which, by the way, like in the last 20 years, that was never heard of. No. It was all about, I love Amazon, it's easy, it's simple. And finally, people are like, no, actually, I want to go to this retailer. I want to directly shop from this brand and not try to go to Amazon for every single thing. Which is funny because we're here at Shop Talk and one of the big uh, signs as you come to registration is AWS services that runs most of the retailer sites. So it's like... <laughs> I, and you know, I think, I think that's an interesting, that's an interesting uh, question. And, uh, and you know, we'll see how the story evolves, whether AWS at some point spins off or continues to remain part of the Amazon umbrella. Uh, but, but that's the competition and like this, this has all been also been true for decades where in the technology industry, um, there are collaborations between departments of the same company and then heavy competition across departments. Mm. Like, you know, like Apple sourcing, you know, components from Samsung while also competing heavily on the end product, which is iPhone versus the Samsung devices, right? So it's, this is not a new thing. And, and personally, my philosophy is like, look, if you are a, if you are a brand or a retailer, you have choice, right? It's not just AWS. Google Cloud is a very mature product and it's it's growing phenomenally. But so is Microsoft Azure is growing, right? So you have three big players today who are offering you cloud and and then and, and Salesforce is an amazing platform too, and they have built this entire platform where you know a lot of customers, my customers are using Salesforce Commerce Cloud. So they're not using the bare metal cloud, but they're using a more complete infrastructure that Salesforce Commerce Cloud 
service cloud and marketing cloud provides, right? So that's like a very high order of value add to a retailer or yeah. brand. Instead of spending years building everything from scratch, they can go directly to Salesforce and benefit from it, right? And all the tools are built into the it. Two so tools that... are built in, they're highly customizable, right? So I, I do think the choice is there. And and I think people will people will find the best price, best value, and decide what's right for them. Yeah, good. Um, so one thing I ask is when you get uh, uh, overworked or you get confused or something, what do you do to get your, your focus back? Um, you know, like as, as a leadership, I always say that the modern leader is a very much of a serving role, right? You're serving your team, your customers, your partners, your investors, and, and you need to truly have that giving mentality and you know you need to do it because you truly enjoy what you do and there's nothing else and and sometimes it is texting it's emotionally draining it's you know like constantly as a leader um and it's true not just with me but my leadership team too anybody who is a leader or has aspirations to leader i think the first quality is can you serve your team and you need to have that mindset um and so personally what i do i do there are like maybe couple things which help me one is my family uh, they always help me kind of they, they ground me in a good way and uh, they always bring a perspective in my kids and my wife so that's a big part of my way of kind of you know disconnecting and spending time with the family um, the, the, the couple other things I enjoy I actually enjoy shopping uh, so that's not work for me a lot of times I would go to a store and I would you know spend you know half an hour or even an hour and you know buy things and discover shop. something yeah discover exactly. something new which I wouldn't normally or on my mobile phone um, and then, you know, on the personal side, there's one activity which I absolutely love is I'm a road biker. And I would kind of, uh, you know, on the weekends, I would go out and we are lucky in California, we have amazing uh, weather. And so I would go out and do my 25 mile, 50 mile rides. Nice. Road biking. I wouldn't have thought that of you. That's good. Well, tell me something good about retail. What's your, what's your take? What's one thing that you could tell me good about retail? I think in the first time, I feel like, you know, combination of like, you know, retailers, like really rethinking the experience, like they're taking technology and direct-to-consumer uh, at the forefront of the thinking, right? If you look at most of the brands, for them, the biggest selling channel was wholesale. Right. They never sold direct-to-consumer, right? So the first time all these brands are thinking direct-to-consumer and they're thinking what an experience means, like what does it mean to have that connection, and which I think is will serve them for years to come. That just mind shift wasn't there and finally it's yeah. there. Um, the second thing is that, as I said, there is clearly an Amazon fatigue out there, um, which which I think is a good thing. It will create a more balanced ecosystem than a lopsided ecosystem. Yeah, I think that, uh, personally, I think we're going to be, someone's going to have to break up Amazon. I just don't think as it gets bigger, we broke up IT and, IT and, AT&T for less. As just all the the ways that it will be, it will be able to be part of our life. And um and at Shop Talk here, what's your, uh, what's your take? What is the mood? Sounds like it's optimistic to me, but what do you think? Uh, it's, it's very bullish and very optimistic. We had amazing meetings this morning uh, with several of our partners, and we were demonstrating our modern POS product. This is the, this is the product where we are live in uh, more than 500 stores now. It's really amazing as we are showing this demonstration and getting feedback from customers, just the level of energy and the level of openness to adopt the right technology. Technology, not just for the sake of technology, but technology for the right commercial use and the right customer experience. I think there's a lot of that pragmatism and there is kind of a sense of urgency, which is very healthy and positive. I would agree. Well, thanks very much for being with me today, Nitin. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks Thank you. Thank you for having me. And, oh, base, sorry. Oh, right at 15.
That brings us to the close of another episode of Tell Me Something Good About Retail. I'm Bob Fibbs, your host, known as The Retail Doctor, based in the United States. Tune in next week when we have another set of movers, shakers, influencers, vendors, and -and brick-and-mortar retailers, all there to make you a smarter retailer.